Well, what a joy it is to be celebrating new life in Christ in all three of our worship services today by baptizing people who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So you're going to hear from these men and women a little bit of their testimony before I baptize them and the power of the gospel that we talk about here in our church family a lot. But I want to make some things clear because I understand in the day that we live and the land that we live There can be confusion about baptism. You may have grown up where certain things were said about baptism or taught, or you just picked those things up and concluded those things on on your own. I think there is a joy in baptism, and there is always a danger in what you might think about baptism. So it's always good to go to God's Word and say, let's be clear, what are we doing today? I don't want you to roll out of here and think, I need to be baptized because I want my sins forgiven and I want to know that I'm going to heaven and I want my life changed, so I guess I better be baptized. And that's where that all begins. That would be wrong. That would be horribly wrong. And there are people walking around today who have been baptized, who think they're right with the God of the universe, and that if and when they died, they would go to heaven. And if you ask them why, they'd say, well, because I've been baptized. There will be baptized people in hell. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not wash away your sins. See, the Bible teaches that baptism is the preeminent symbol. Symbol. The preeminent symbol of salvation. Not the source and not the start of salvation. In other words, baptism is not the cause. In life, we're used to things. You see something happen and you say, what caused that? When you see someone alive in Jesus Christ, like she's different. He's different. They have new appetites. They have new desires. They have almost like a new way of thinking. Oh, I guess baptism caused that. Don't make that mistake. Baptism is never the cause or the root or the source or the start of new life in Christ or how anyone becomes A Christian. But it's important. It's your your opportunity to publicly declare and proclaim without fear, without embarrassment, that you are identifying with Jesus Christ. You are saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He has changed my life and I want everyone to know. So as each one of these come and step down into the water, you will be watching people who have already come to us and said, I've put my trust in Christ. I believe he is who he says he is and did what scriptures say he did. My life's been changed. I want others to know the change happened before they got in the water. What that means is there might be some of you sitting here today that you've gotten wet in some form whether it was total immersion like you'll see today or sprinkling as a baby. But if you don't have what I want to describe to you next, you could still be in jeopardy and living in spiritual darkness and your final destination not be heaven. Because what we're celebrating today is not about religion. What we're celebrating today is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That you're in a relationship with him. That's what it means to be a Christian. When we baptize these men and women, it's not some kind of religious tradition. 
It's not a religious tradition. It is obedience to the scriptures, but it's not some religious tradition that changes their standing before the God of the universe. It's just a public declaration of what's already happened by the grace of God and his son. In other words, this change that took place in their lives, I'm going to use a phrase that we use here a lot in our church family. It happened in their lives by grace alone, through faith alone, in who? Christ alone, plus what? And let me take just a few minutes to unpack each one of those phrases, because we rattle it off, and I like it, because I thought of it. But if you're not careful, everything can just become some little slogan and no one any longer remembers what it means. Let's unpack the substance of those phrases. When we say you become a Christian by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. Here's what we're saying. By grace alone. Grace is the basis, the ground on which any of this could happen. By grace alone. That is the foundation, the basis Through faith alone. We're talking about the means. So there it is. Here's all this grace. Here's salvation that's offered. But how does it become mine? How do I get that goodness? The means by which it becomes yours is through faith alone. Not merit. Not effort. Not striving. Not being good enough. So the basis is grace alone. The means by which it becomes yours. No matter how old or young or rich or poor or educated, uneducated. There's one way. By faith alone. Where do I look to even begin? I say, you say, I think I want that. I'm not sure I have that. Where would I even look? Don't look to Grace Fellowship. Don't look to Brad Bigney. The starting point for where to look is a person. In Christ alone. Because you need a savior not a system. So the basis is grace. There it is. It's based on grace. How do I get it? Through faith. Where do I even begin? Look to Christ. You need a savior, not a system. In Christ alone. And then I've added this just because there's so much confusion in our world. Plus what? Nothing. The moment you begin to add something of your own, You've destroyed it. You've tainted it. You've poisoned it. And and you say, but it can't be that easy, Brad. It can't. Surely there's something I have to bring to the equation. Surely there's a participation, something I... That's why it's not easy, folks. It's a free offer, but look what this does. By grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. It strips you. Of anything. And leaves you spiritually naked, destitute, and in desperate need of the mercy of God. And guess what? Maybe you already know this. That's hard for human beings. It, it stabs our pride. It goes after yourself. For, for some of you sitting here, you know what your biggest problem is? It's not that you're snorting cocaine or you're a heroin dealer or you're running some brothel somewhere. Your own self-righteousness and sense of how good you are and I'm not as bad as is what's keeping you from coming to Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, plus nothing. 
Because that's hard for us to just say, really, I'm that bad? I bring nothing? I can do nothing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to come to the very end of yourself to truly experience new birth in Christ. And what the Bible actually teaches about becoming a Christian and what it means to be a Christian is that you're, it's not religion, it's not tradition, it's not uh, adding a list of things you're trying to do in your life. It's a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the, and, the, and the relationship that God chooses to point to is the one that is most intimate that we know of in this world, marriage. He actually says, when you're a Christian, you are married to Jesus. You don't just add Jesus to the party of your life. You don't just add him to your friends. I've allowed him, you know, like whatever that social media is. I don't have it, but yes, you can be my friend. Now nah, we're in a relationship. Not very intimate. I might have 700 friends. This is not how this works. I mean, this is the most intimate of relationships, marriage. The Bible talks about union with Christ, oneness with Christ. In other words, the Bible talks about a new identity. A new identity. A new worldview orientation. A new way that you perceive life and relate to everything around you. See, Christianity and becoming a Christian is not. It's, it's not so that Jesus can just become something in your life I'm going to take you to a passage and show you what the Bible says. It says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we shall be like him. That's very different than when Christ, who I've added to my life, when Christ, who I've allowed into the margins of my life, but heal, stay put. Don't get too close and don't start to tell me what to do or don't start to rearrange things in my life. I've allowed you right there. Oh, no, no, no. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Turn with me to Colossians, the little book of Colossians. This is a great book that gives us the glory of Christ and makes oh so clear the glory and the goodness of salvation, what we're celebrating today. Colossians. And we're going to jump in in chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In him, Christ, you were also circumcised. One of, the, one of the word pictures the Bible uses is circumcision. The cutting away of the hard, stony heart. And given a new heart. That can beat for the things of God and wants to be in relationship with God and desires and has an appetite. Because listen to me, from birth, as you exited the womb, you arrived in this world without a heart for God. Dead to the things of God and very much alive to what I want. I want what I want and nobody better get in my way, including God. This is, this is what new birth looks like. In him you also were circumcised with the circumcision, and he makes it clear, made without hands. This didn't happen on our skin outwardly. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith. There it is, through faith in the working of God. What do we bring to the table? Say it. 
Faith. Nothing, but you, you put your faith in. Then look who's doing the work. In the working of... Somebody does have to work, right? But you're not the one. God does the heavy lifting through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being sick and limping and needing a booster shot spiritually. Just needing a nudge and a little bit of help. Someone to grab your hand because you're already doing pretty good. Your Bible different than my Bible? But isn't that the way we... So often think and talk, I just need a little help. I'm not that you being, say it, say it again, dead in your, do dead people do anything? No, they just are really good at being dead. You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Ooh, here's what we sang about. He has made, say it. Alive together with him, having forgiven you how many of your trespasses? All past, present, future, all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taken it out of the way. When did all this happen? Having nailed it, say it, to the cross. Folks, when Jesus died on the cross, he was not dying as a wonderful example of sacrifice, a wonderful example to the world. In that moment, the God of the universe, holy, 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 righteous, just, almighty, placed all the sins of every man and woman who would ever put their trust in Christ on him. Having nailed it, to the cross. Skip down to chapter 3 verse 1. So there's what has been done. How should that impact you? What do people who understand this. Have and experienced this look like? <clears throat> how do they live? Chapter 3 verse 1. Since then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things. Which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you died. Not physically, you're still here. But oh, hallelujah. That relationship you had to sin and to Satan from birth. That identity that you had. This is who I am and what I am. I'm a sinner. I want what I want. I live according to my flesh. I respond to my flesh. That died. For you died. Oh, this is good. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Does that sound secure? That was weak. Yes, Is that not much better than, well, I hope I'm doing enough good. You think you'll go to heaven? Well, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's your security. Does Christ ever change? Does the father ever find displeasure in his son? Does what he did on the cross and the power of his resurrection ever have a shelf life and become less effective, less powerful, less anything? There's security. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And here's the phrase I want you to chew on and take home with you. When Christ, who is our, say it, life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the phrase that I want to just buzz around in your head and, 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 and not leave you the rest of this week or longer. When Christ who is our life appears. When Christ who is our life appears. Now don't hear me saying, and so when you become a Christian, you just sit and you just think about Jesus. You don't go to your job. You don't lead your family. You don't, you don't go on vacation. You don't, no, 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 no. But folks, do you hear how different this sounds? And then I just added Jesus to the party of my life. I just clicked, yes, he can be my friend. And he's just a part of all these other things. When Christ who is our life, this relationship with Christ impacts my family as I lead my family. It impacts how I relate to my friends. It impacts how I handle my money. It impacts what I'm thinking as I go on vacation. It impacts my priorities and what I'm wanting, how I read the news, how I view the world. It changes everything. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Pastor Tim Keller, you might have heard that name. He's an author and he's a pastor, been in New York City for years. Pastor Tim Keller tells a story of a woman that was in his first church, not New York City. He actually started in West Virginia, if you can believe. First church. And she was a woman who had had a very hard life, been abused, abused by lots of men. Even spent some time in prison because she was willing to do whatever men wanted her to do to have their approval and favor, even if it was illegal. Hard life. Tasted a lot of sorrow and suffering and confusion, but her life was radically changed when she put her trust in Christ. She was dramatically turned around by Jesus Christ as her Savior. So, Tim Keller, this was not a huge church. Whenever we pastors see a real life change, we love to hear about that. He sat down with her to say, how did this come about? He asked her to explain, how did you get free after so many years of being so trapped? Don't you know of some loved ones, and maybe it was you, who it just looks like, why do you do what you do? This is so destructive, not just to others, but to you, but you keep doing it. Repeat the cycle over and why? So he says, how did you get free from a life that you'd been so entrapped in. And she told him this. She said, as I was struggling with so much in my life that was so hard and so bad, I met with a counselor. Makes sense. To try to get some help. She understood life's not going well. I'm not getting the the results I want. This seems very destructive. Help me. And she says, the counselor pointed out to her, rightly so, that she was looking to men. She was looking to men for her identity and for her salvation and security in life. And so instead, the well-meaning counselor advised her, you need to get a career, get a career and become financially independent as a way of building up your own self-worth and finding security apart from men so that you would not need them like you need them. Is there some truth there? Yeah. This is what's tricky about sometimes the the counsel you'll get from our world. She says, but, but God was obviously working in her life. She says, I recognized 
the truthfulness of some of what they were saying. Yes, I did need to get a career. Yes, it would help to be more financially independent. But she was a sharp woman because she said this. She said, I recognized an incredible flaw with the counsel that I was being given. She says, I thought to myself, I am being advised by my counselor to give up and walk away from what is often a very common female idolatry. To build your identity and world around a man or family or kids. And to adopt what is very often a very common male idolatry. Again, not to stereotype. Women can do this too. But in general, which is to build your whole world and sense of worth and identity around career. That's why men have midlife crises. When younger people come along and can do things better and they try to take the hair on the back of their neck and get it to grow on the top of their head and they buy a sports car and they leave their wife and get someone half their age. What is going on? This, this is who I am. My total identity is my vocation and now I'm not the latest, greatest. I don't know what to do with myself. And women very often... With relationships, earthly relationships, not just I don't just care, I don't just love. They aren't just important. It's my whole identity. Both are destructive. Both will leave you so insecure. And she said, I recognize I was being counseled to just shift from one form of enslavement and insecurity to another form of enslavement and insecurity. And she said, I wanted to be Truly free. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What's one of the greatest truths we need to understand? That nothing in this world can fully satisfy and nothing in this world can bring you that sense of security and well-being that you're looking for. Nothing, nothing. The world's best counsel so often will say, would just be, don't build your life around that. Oh, build your life around this. Not that, this. God's word says, not any of this, this. Moving from one, one form of enslavement to another that looks healthier is not what you want to do. And some of you may be sitting here and you're trapped in that very thing. God's word tells us another way to go at this. In Jeremiah 2.13, he says, My people have committed two great, great evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have dug for themselves broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Listen to me. Don't hear me saying don't get married. Don't hear me saying don't have friends. Don't hear me saying don't go on vacation. Don't hear me saying don't hike and enjoy nature. Don't hear me saying... All pleasure is wrong. Don't hear me saying work hard and have some goals and and, and build a business and use the gifts God's given you. Just hear me saying, don't build your life around any of it. It can't bear the weight of all your desires and all your need for security. It was never intended to do so. Jesus, you were created with a vacuum It can only be filled by a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what about you? These are testifying that Jesus has now become their identity. Doesn't mean they won't still go to school, still go to work, still relate to other people. But it's when Christ to it, that, and I hope this will help you. That's why there's this verse in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 that says, 
if any man or woman be in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I bet some of you have struggled with that thinking, I don't understand. I still have struggles. I still have temptations. I still have sorrows and heartache. I still have a bad marriage. What do you mean all things have become new? The most important thing is new. My identity prior to Christ was tied to this world, my flesh, and I was a child of Satan and could do no other than just say yes to my flesh. Old things have passed away. I am in Christ now, married to Christ now. I see life differently. I still struggle, but all things have passed away. All things have become new. The way I look at my job, the way I look at these relationships, the way I handle money. Do you have that? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you've got a doctrinal statement that you nod to. Does your heart stir a bit? And can you relate to what the scriptures are saying when you hear, when Christ, who is our life, appears? I'm waiting, I'm longing. Even as I work this job, I'm longing for him to come. I'm in relationship with him. I'm identified with him when Christ, who is our life, appears. You could have that today. You could leave here today different. You don't have to ever join this church. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to give any money in the money boxes in the back. Because it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in who? Christ alone. What do you need to add to it? Today, come to Christ. Step off the treadmill of, oh. And if you live long enough, then you can say, I tried this, and then I tried this, and then I tried this. Oh, listen to me. I'm not asking you to try Jesus. I'm asking you to bow to Jesus and say, I'm at the end of myself. I need not another system, not another broken cistern. I need a savior who gave his life for me. And put your faith in Christ. Faith. Turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus and what he did when he died on the cross and rose again. And God, God will forgive you and birth you into this kingdom of light and this new way of understanding and living. Oh God, I pray for each one here. Lord, that there'd be no one here that would leave in the same condition if truly their condition is not when Christ, who is our life, appears. If it's just religion, if it's tradition, if it's trappings, if it's self-righteousness, strip them of all that today and lift their chin and fix their eyes on a Savior, a Savior. A savior. Set them free by your grace and for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.